This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about caring for an aging parent. So next month is National Caregivers Month, and so we thought we'd get a jump on things and talk a little bit about what are the tips and tricks when it comes to helping a parent who's getting older when you as the adult child start to step into that financial caregiver role? Now with me today, I have certified financial planner, Kelsey Banky. Welcome, Kelsey. Hi, Mary. And Kelsey has developed some um, specialty in this area within working with a lot of clients who have, have and or currently are dealing with this issue. And so we've built kind of a program around it of different steps that we know that are going to be important if you are going to step into that role as a financial caregiver for one of your aging parents. So Kelsey, kick us off a little bit with what are what would you say is one of the first things that you need to be able to wrap your arms around when you're stepping into this role? It's absolutely the money. Uh, you know, things things cost money. And your parents have cash flow, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's understanding what is that cash flow so that you can better understand how to move forward. But until you understand what they're starting with, it's really hard to figure out what the next step should be. Yeah. I think that most people have trouble understanding completely their own cash flow. <laughs> yes. So stepping into someone else's life and figuring out their cash flow can be kind of a daunting task. Absolutely. And you're and you're a lot of times going to deal with things you haven't dealt with before. So um, Medicare, Medicaid, potentially Social Security, pensions that you might not have ever um, access to. The, just a lot of things that... Um, people who are at a different point in their life have that people who are still employed might not know how to deal with yet. Right. So when it comes down to it and you're thinking about how do you wrap your arms around cash flow for an aging parent, it does come down to two things, the inflows and the outflows. So that would be where to start with that. First, figure out what is the money that's coming in. And second, start trying to figure out what's the money that's going out. Now, understanding and knowing where to find those things can be tricky. Um, One of the things that you can do is you can look at bank statements and you can look to see if there's any patterns over the course of the last quarter or the last half year of when money's coming in. You should be able to pick up things like this is how much their social security check is and this is the day of the month that it comes in. Or there's this deposit coming in on the fourth of every month for this dollar amount. And then you can kind of track backwards to figure out what is that and where is it coming from. Now, that's the inflow side of thing. The outflow side of thing, that gets a little bit trickier. Um, Most of our parents have not stepped into the technological era where they are electronically paying a lot of their bills. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, my my own parents who are fairly young don't pay things electronically. And mm-hmm. um, I, I laugh because um, I've talked with other people that are I consider still young and they're like, I don't trust computers. Why would I pay things online? So <laughs> um, it is it is tough to figure out what's going out um, in the best way if they don't have a good list or good um, system already is that mail. 
Yep. They're going to mail it to you. You just got to make sure you get your hands on it. That's right. Now, mismanagement of mail is a really common issue for seniors who are moving into kind of dementia issues or memory issues. And so um, you finding a way to make sure you see 100% of the mail that's coming into the household is really kind of a critical piece of helping become a financial caregiver for people. And there's probably going to be some funny stuff um, if, if the cognitive um, side has already started to slip a little bit. Mm -hmm. Don't be surprised if you find something that doesn't make sense. Um, it might just not make sense and you have to deal with it. <laughs> my, the, my example on this is when my grandma um, started to um, need some more care, we figured out she was paying like three different subscriptions to Reader's Digest, one in large print, one in regular size. And I don't remember what the third piece was, but it was like, where are these even going? Where are they at? <laughs> but why would you need three subscriptions? And, and it just didn't make sense. She just got something that said she should pay this money, and she did. And now she's subscribed to Reader's Digest. So um, that can and that can be a little sad when you figure out that that's going on. But it is it is just part of of figuring out the the inflows and the outflows. Is you're going to find some funny things probably. So once you get your hand wrapped around the inflows and the outflows on the cash flow, the second thing is to establish some type of bill paying system. Well, we've built some tools, and, and anybody is welcome to reach out, and we can send you these if you'd like to, but we've built some tools that are just simply some grids to, to understand this is the bill that's due on this day. It's either going to be set up electronically, and here's any passwords and codes that you need to be able to manage that, or the bill is going to be mailed to you so that you can track whether or not things are in fact getting paid the way they're supposed to get paid. But establishing some type of a bill paying system to manage those outflows is the second half of understanding and, and dealing with the cash flow side of things. Okay, so once you've kind of wrapped your arms around cash flow and bill paying, then it starts to get into um, kind of a system of how do you actually keep track of everything. <laughs> so there's key information that you're going to want to have at your fingertips and having some type of place or document or notebook or on your computer or whatever where you're recording their key information, I think is going to be very important. What kind of key information, Kelsey, would, would you recommend that people actually have on file at their fingertips? As you're, you know, helping somebody else financially and, and maybe medically, having social security number, date of birth, having birth certificates, marriage licenses, all of those kind of things you need to, to figure out where they're at and have um, record of them. If the person you're caring for was a military service person, then their DD-214 is crucial. So many benefits are tied to um, military and, and mm -hmm. a lot of our aging um, population participated in the military in some way. So having that um, is something you're going to want to make sure you know where it's at. Um, and I've seen people do it a lot of different ways. It just depends on um, what you're comfortable with, whether it's a file that or a notebook that you take with you everywhere. Or, you know, for people mm -hmm. who are comfortable with their, their phones and their computers, there's um, some good tools out there and resources you can use to keep track of that information. But all of those things, think about when you go to a doctor or when you call somebody to pay a bill, all of the things they're going to ask for. Um, in addition to that, um, 
you know, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but power of attorney documentation should be included with all of that stuff. I also think it's a good idea to have records of what medications somebody's taking and what the phone numbers are for their doctors. Um, I, when there is a health crisis, people get asked those questions a lot and you know, it's difficult to remember what exactly is happening in somebody else's medical life. And so for you to be a good advocate when a healthcare issue comes up, then having access to that information is very important. Okay, the next thing is then for you to familiarize yourself with their investments. Now, more than likely, your aging parent has done something with some of their money, whether it's all in a bank, whether it's in investment accounts, whether it's scattered throughout multiple different accounts. But you do have to start wrapping your hands around what investments do they have, where are they located, and how are they being managed? Absolutely. And again, all across the board on what we see on this, um, from different people that are stepping into the caregiver role, but there's a rhyme and a reason to how things are set up typically and understanding how different programs work and how different investments work and things like that is going to be important for you because at some point you're you're likely going to have to start using this money or if it's not already being used and understanding the best place to make um make those withdrawals from or make the mm-hmm. um, make that stuff happen is is going to be important so if it is scattered all over um, you might want to find somebody that you trust to help you look at everything um, do some financial planning just to help you understand how all these different pieces can fit together for the plan if you're already at a point where you're in um, a power of attorney situation and your loved one cannot sign for themselves there may be not there's maybe not a lot of change that you can do besides just simply um, withdrawing and things like that but it's always good to explore your options. Right. Because ultimately, if you are dealing with an aging parent who has suffered from some level of brain um, issue and they haven't necessarily been thinking straight, it could be reflected in their investment pools. And some, some of the decisions that have been made in them could not be aligned with what needs to happen going forward. Another piece of familiarizing yourself with the investments is understanding what the liquidity is within them. Because if you are now stepping in as a financial caregiver for your parent, then the likelihood is there's going to be some longer term care costs, some additional medical costs and things like that that are coming down the pipeline ahead of you. And you're going to want to know where you can pull from money to help support the medical care that they're going to need. So, okay, we're going to go ahead and take a break. But so far, what we've covered is understanding and organizing the cash flow, establishing a bill paid system, recording the key information, and familiarizing yourself with the investments. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about caring for an aging parent and steps you can take if you are stepping into the role of becoming a financial caregiver for an aging parent. Um, earlier in the show, we mentioned a couple of times a document called a financial power of attorney. And that is definitely one of the things that you're going to want to have in place with your parent. Now, that financial power of attorney usually is considered to be a standby document and that it says that you 
are not able to take over as the power of attorney until your parent is cognitively unable to handle their own affairs. And that's a tricky road, right? Like to figure out, are they unable to actually handle them? And is there a doctor who's said that now or decided that now? And at one point, can you actually step in and start helping them with different things? So the financial power of attorney, though, if you can get that set up before your parent has become unable to handle their own affairs, it is so much easier on you and your whole family. Yeah, it, it truly is. If you have to try to figure that all out and go through the court system to get that person assigned and mm-hmm. it, it slows you down, usually you figure out that you need it because there's something going on where you need to act um, financially for your parent and you don't want to have that kind of delay. And some people, you know, some parents are comfortable giving a full power of attorney earlier mm-hmm. um, because they just, they know that they need some help and they trust the person they're giving it to and um, they can help them manage their finances even before they can't do it themselves. So that's an option for, for you as well. But um, just know that until you have a financial power of attorney on file that's active, Financial institutions are not going to be able to give you information or act on your behalf without um, that document. So, Now, in terms of getting your estate planning ducks in a row early, not only is the financial power of attorney important, but making sure that your parent has a will that's up to date and that they have addressed how beneficiary listings should be titled is important to do while they still are cognitive. Um, the last thing you want to do as a financial power of attorney is go change a bunch of beneficiaries to yourself. (laughs) That can be frowned upon (laughs) if there's ever any contention between siblings or other people or things like that. So making sure that your parent is of sound mind when they are making these decisions, that's, that's kind of a big step of this. So what that leads to is that while you still can... You want to have conversations with your parent about what their wishes are, how they want things to happen while they're still cognitive, how they want things to happen, how they want things to go if they no longer can take care of themselves, and how they want things to go when they have eventually passed away. Now, none of these topics are easy to talk about. None of them are. They're all filled with heaps and loads of emotional triggers for everybody you your parents everybody but the more that you can have these conversations ahead of time the smoother it is and it's just basically like a big gift that your parent is giving you (laughs) if you can understand exactly what they want and they can take care of some things ahead of time If you have parents who like to hold their cards close to them Mm -hmm. and they don't want to have those conversations with you, um, one thing that I've, I've seen work for some people is, you know, giving them contacts for attorneys that can help them with that, um, or giving them contacts to financial planners. We've met with, um, parents without the kids at the kids request, and held everything confidential per people's um, um, request. Um, But having them work with professionals that can help sort things out if they don't want to share that information with you just yet 
Because I see that all the time, especially um, family farms. You know, the the parents don't Mm want to talk about it, don't want to disclose to their kids. But there is a lot of unfortunate mess that can come out of not having the proper estate planning documents, especially when you have a lot of land and business um, things all tied together. It can just it can get very, very nasty. I was listening to an attorney um, speak just a couple weeks ago, um, who specializes in estate planning for um, rural or agricultural um, people. And she said that, you know, the people who do the estate planning, it it usually goes pretty smoothly, but there are all sorts of cases that the, the estate planning wasn't properly lined up and it's years and years of battle and expense trying to sort that out. So, Um, if they won't talk with you, see if they'll talk with somebody else, but hopefully they'll talk with you and then you can, everybody can be on the same page on what's going to go down. Now, for those of you who are listening, who are someone who is in retirement and you know that eventually you're going to be depending on your adult children to help you with things, the biggest gift you can give them is to take care of these pieces of it. It's make sure your estate documents are in alignment with what your wishes are, and it's making sure that the power of attorneys are in place, and it's making sure that the beneficiary designations are the way you want them. So if you're listening and that's what you are, that's the phase of life that you're in, then those are the most important steps to take. Okay, another thing that you're going to want to be thinking about as a financial caregiver is um, what the living arrangements for your aging parent are going to be, what the options are, and then what are those costs associated with them. Yeah, a lot of uh, times you're talking about some kind of care facility, but what a lot of people also don't realize is all of the different resources you have and ways that you can care for somebody who needs care and um, what those options might be. So if you haven't explored that recently, um, taking a look at what your available options are would be nice. Also having that conversation with them, I've you know, you might be surprised on what, what your parents want, um, or you might be surprised if you're the person that is getting closer to needing care. Your kids might not, they might be willing to take care of you, but maybe you want to go um, somewhere where you can be around other people and, and have the social aspect of a of an assisted living facility or something like that. So having that conversation so everybody has the same goal and um, is ready for that, good move. Um Mm-hmm. Also, moving off of a bigger property might be something that's better sooner than later. You see that a lot more um, happening a lot more often nowadays. And again, having everybody on the same page is is important. And there are there's an evolution to this, right? You know, like if you've lived in the country, a lot of times people move to town as the first step. Or if you've lived in a big house, people downsize to a condo. Or if you've lived on your own, you move to assisted living and then maybe into a nursing home when needed. Um, and so there's an evolution and change that happens. Um what, what I think the common thread is that we hear the most, though, is that most parents don't ever want to be a burden to their children. And that's the way that they look at it. Like, I never want to burden my child with my care. And so figuring out what the living arrangements are that are going to provide the best care and are within the financial wherewithal of the situation is really a good game plan to have your, your hands wrapped around. Okay, the... 
Next thing that we want to talk about is when you unfortunately start to get to the point where end-of-life care is becoming an issue, then making sure that you reach out to hospice to understand what their resources are and how they can help in your situation is a really good idea. So some places in hospice, they offer palliative care to kind of help manage things along the way. Some some hospice is just end-of-life care, but hospice can be an incredibly strong resource for people as they're caring for an aging parent. Yeah, I started volunteering for hospice with hospice, I think maybe six years ago. I don't remember exactly. It's been a long time, but I was absolutely in awe of how many resources most hospice organizations mm-hmm. have. It's and it's impressive. not that 11th hour um, care that they give. It can be, and that can be very comforting. Um, speaking from somebody who's who's experienced that care mm-hmm. from the, the family side, that was extremely comforting. However, there is a lot of resources prior to that, and there's also resources after you lose a loved one um, that you can you can tap into, and it, they are just can be so wonderful. So don't don't overlook what the different hospice organizations can provide for you. Um, because it's it's definitely much more than most people realize. And that kind of leads us to the last tip that we have. If you've moved into a situation where you are a financial caregiver for a parent, which also may mean that you are a healthcare caregiver too, not always does it mean the same thing, but frequently it does, find resources to take care of yourself. Find somebody for you to lean on because it can be very, very emotionally draining to step into that role. It can sometimes be just physically draining to step into that role. And there are resources out there to help with it. Connect in with a financial planner to help with the financial side of it. Connect in with the healthcare resources in your community to stay, you know, connect in with the healthcare side of it. There are nearly 10 million of you out there adult children who are older than age 50 who are caring for aging parents. So this is a very real thing, and the resources are out there to support you as the caregiver. So again, if you'd like this pamphlet that we've put together about caring for an aging parent, please feel free to reach out to us. Go to our website at sterkfinancialservices.com and request it. And we wish you the best of luck in your journey as you do care for your aging parent. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.